called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast, welcome back to the Awkward Controllers, the promised follow up um, from uh, the previous episode where we talked so much about the Switch, arguing over stupid things with the Switch, and then having a great conversation about getting good and Sekiro and Dark Souls and so forth, where Ethan did not expect me to agree with him. We mostly ended up agreeing in the end about that game. I don't know if I'm going well, I to. I expect play- you agree with me, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the, the spoiler alert, I was, I was pretending like I was not on the get good side. Uh, I know I'm, what I know when you're playing devil's advocate versus just making fun of me. And most of the time it's both. So. Uh, you stumbled there a little bit when, when I laid out the entire argument, and told everyone else to shut the fuck up and stop complaining. You're a little, you know, we're expecting all that. But to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I was expecting to, to do that, but I didn't expect by the end of our conversation to feel even stronger about it than we did before, Ethan. So that's a credit to you and our conversations. I mean, this is getting regular where it's not I, like I'm always having a complete change of opinion, but just by your perspective and talking through things, um, you know, like I'll sometimes like our um, uh, our Ubisoft discussion where I started making connections between Assassin's Creed and Destiny and, you know, uh, Guilty Pleasure, blah, blah, blah. So this has been great. And uh, well, Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to talk uh, Bioware after a couple pieces of news here. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Ethan and I, of course, talking tons of Destiny. Um, Ethan's put in close to, what, about a million, uh, 300,000 hours or so forth. And um, I have somehow put in at least 50. Um, it's very hard to measure on the PlayStation, Ethan. I have not so far been able to figure out how to measure my time. It might not even be possible unless you know something I don't, which th- is very possible. Bizzlecast listeners, you shouldn't listen to this man anymore, okay? I don't. I didn't put in a million and three thousand hours, okay? I put in a million two thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine hours, okay? Yeah. Let's be clear. About okay, Doctor Strange. <laughs> deep cut infinity war reference not that okay. deep cut um, um yeah so um is there a way yeah, to really I mean, measure time on my end or, or or you're able to do it because of steam uh as we've talked before uh i just forget this well, it's, it's, it's not it's not, on steam, it's not on steam but um as we've talked before in our in our dms i've told you that the destiny api service is very bountiful Mm-hmm. Uh, that that Budgie gives out these APIs to work with the game for people for people who are fans and want to work with the game and make stuff for the game. They make all this crazy stuff for the game, including the app where you can just move items between characters from your phone. But uh, funnily enough, there is a, there is an API solution for the question you just asked me, and it is a website actually called wasted on destiny i just found it i gave a really long google search and it was the first one that's hilarious and all you do is you type in your username from playstation xbox or BattleNet, and boom you find all of your characters attached to the same destiny account mm-hmm. um okay or bungee.net account and you you okay. find out exactly how much time you've wasted on destiny this is great okay so i, I definitely haven't gotten near 50 um, but it's well over, you know, 10 to 15, well over 10 to 15. Do you want to get a rough guess about where I am? I want to guess 25 or lower. 31 hours, 53 minutes. But I also have 7 hours, 27 minutes from like four years ago on Destiny 1. So that's pretty okay. hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Okay. Well, thanks for, yeah, thanks for telling me this. This is great. I don't feel quite as bad. It feels like 50 hours, but not in the bad way, you know? 
Um, it's just because, you know, I, I never do less than an hour or two a, a day when I have time at this point. Ethan and I talked long before this podcast about it, so we don't want to talk too much. We'll do a full Destiny. I'm almost done the Red War campaign. Ethan, at this point, I think um, before we do our lore, I should just finish the uh, two smaller expansions afterward as well before we do that, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, we, we've talked about that in, mm-hmm. like, in regards for other reasons as well, but... Yep. Uh, I mean, they're very short, especially the second one, where, and I kid you not, people who, and you probably won't, but, I mean, people who are used to playing this game literally beat that campaign in an hour. I'm not kidding. Hmm. Like, that's how short it was. So so once I beat um, Red War, I have one or two left, I can tell from the things. Um, I'm well over halfway to playing through the, yeah. st- the single player stuff okay yeah, that, that that's a that, that's a fair aspect especially since a lot of the story in forsaken mm-hmm. is part of the end game mm-hmm. so yeah definitely mm-hmm. like you are very uh mm-hmm. you're, you're very much if not half 45 percent yeah mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple of pieces of business and trivia before Ethan's going to talk about an event that's going on this week, um, partially because it's the first one since I've been playing a lot, and I, I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's also emblematic of like what a cool feature of, of Destiny, uh, just for us to get warmed up and get you guys into it. We like to start with what we're playing, we're both playing Destiny, um, and then we're going to get into the, the longer Bioware discussion that we teased uh, last time, so a couple well, first piece of trivia. As I told Ethan, uh, but I'll say it again. I, I, you know, I keep saying we started our podcast a year and a half ago because we didn't really start going till September, October, November of 2017. Um, uh, but when I went all the way back, we had one way back when he was just we still finishing high school, um, and the switch had just come out. Do you remember like the Bluetooth controversy and like we had, you had just started like putting hours into Zelda and I played twenty minutes of it and loved it and we were just geeking out over the switch and you know I was just getting back into video games. Not only did I not have a PS3 back in March of 2017, um, I, de- I, I a PS4. I did not have a 3DS even at that point apparently, which I do not remember that being the case i must have gotten it pretty soon after that because i couldn't afford a switch guess what it was even the bluetooth controversy because we were talking about uh the cnet video or was it the pc gamer it was it was PCnet or pc gamer and they were making a big deal out of how flimsy the kickstand is for the switch as you now know um, and they were like purposely knocking the device over to yeah. show how flimsy it was. Like, well, no, that's we were not, like we were talking because some of the the streamers I, I follow, um, but especially a bunch of uh, European. Uh, independent publications. Again, this was in the first two or three weeks. We're reporting the left Joy-Con wasn't responding. Turned out that if you just reset everything, that solved ninety nine percent of yeah, the problems. It was it was it was it was all it was all of these little stories to throw as much yep. mire at the unit as possible. Not not mm-hmm. intentionally, just because that's how PC or that's how gamer journalism works today. But mm-hmm. um, like listen, anything that gets you clicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the unit was a great success, as we now know. And mm-hmm. two years later, we're all enjoying it. Yep. So, so uh, a quick story from that. 
um, and then I'll do a little intro, and then we'll get into Bioware. So I was listening to that, Ethan, and at the time it had just come out, I, I thought it was a great idea. I thought it was brilliant, but I laid out a scenario for you about why I thought you know this would really you know launch Nintendo into a new era of greatness after the disappointment of the Wii U, which is certainly what is happening. If it hasn't surpassed the Xbox yet, it is very close. Um, but I also laid out some concerns I had at the time, and this came up. Um, so guys, our last podcast, Ethan and I had a, like a pretty mundane uh, discussion about you know me wanting changes to the Switch and Ethan saying it's fine, essentially, and saying they're not going to change much. And so I ended up not putting it in because our secure conversation was so hilarious, fun, and insightful. And, I, and, and you know it was just a long-ass podcast. So we'd, we were constantly talking about the Switch. Um, but even I did say at the time that my concern was that if you don't have the nostalgia factor about Mario, Zelda, and so forth. Now, again, this was before their store got a ton of games and before third-party games and ports and stuff were, were happening on a large scale. At that point, only Zelda and one, two, three Switch or whatever it was was out at that point. Literally, you know, it had just come out. I was concerned about if you're not into Pokemon and those other nostalgia games, would it survive? That came up, guys, in our last podcast and didn't make the cut so we'll do a switch thing again in the future when uh we can be a little bit more structured and coherent about it, it was just a fun trip down memory lane Ethan. i don't know really yeah. quickly if, if you remember that feeling of opening the switch for the first time and popping in zelda and what that was like especially because you were you know heading towards graduation second semester senior year is like the perfect time for something like that to happen do you remember anything about that oh yeah i remember i remember going to the midnight release getting my switch meeting my future manager at GameStop and then immediately regretting every decision I ever made. No, I thought you were going to say something um, like meeting my future wife, AKA the switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. girlfriend. Oh, no. But girlfriend. I, I, I remember getting back. I remember getting back from the 12 o'clock release and immediately like opening up, looking at it mm-hmm. and then falling asleep. <laughs> how how it, long playing Zelda on it? Unfortunately I had school the next day. Um, yeah. So, how long did it take? Did it take more than five minutes of Zelda on it before you were in love, or was it love oh, at yeah. first I mean, play? I I loved every second of it. Yeah. Like, like that that first play. Like uh, a streamer one that I watched put it perfectly. Like he's he he put it simply as if I could get amnesia and choose to forget a video game, mm-hmm. so I could re- enjoy it again. It, it, it would be Zelda. Like, mm-hmm. seriously. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit, that game, like, yep. was such an incredible first playthrough. Yep. And, such dude, first part, part of the reason even I was confident at the time, and they had two games at that point, you know, people were having trouble getting units, et cetera, et cetera. But part of the reason was, in early 2017, again, Horizon and a bunch of PS exclusives uh, had just dropped. And I, in the podcast, it's so funny. I'm like, I've heard this game Horizon came out. It's supposedly pretty cool. You know, this was well before my Horizon addiction. Um, and it was also well before, you know, I, I understood the power of the third-party studios. But let's remember, this was before Horizon. This was before um, uh, one of the Unchar- Uncharted Lost Legacy. It was before God of War, Game of the Year, you know. So even though um, I, I had forgotten about Uncharted 4 and, you know, it took until much later, i.e. three days ago, before... I realized how important Bloodborne was. Nevertheless, they've had a ton of third-party amazingness, Spider-Man, etc. in the last two years. And so part of my confidence about Nintendo was I was down on both PlayStation and Xbox at the time. Again, not having either system and going based on streamers, podcasts, and, and so forth. So I just thought that was an interesting little historical bit. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it, 2017 feels like so long ago, mm-hmm. especially in the sense that, like, because after 2016, and ex- after 2015 and 2016, right? Yeah. Like, like, it just, like, it may look bleak right now, and this is probably a good point to jump into uh, Bioware, right? But it, it it may look bleak now with like yeah, the state we don't of need gaming. to do Destiny. And if we have time at the, the end, the, we can. Yeah, the, go ahead. The, the state of gaming, the gaming industry as it is right now, right, with mass layoffs from Telltale to EA to Activision, and now this Bioware story, and just so many other like all, like, like terrible things that are happening in the industry um, with crunch and whatnot. Um, but we weren't getting any decent products in that 2015, 2016, not, not, not in the way we are right now. Right. Like if you, if you seriously think about it, like if you go back to 2014, 2015, 2016, there was not a ton to really enjoy out of those years in gaming and like the way from 2017, 2018, and now 2019, just from what just from what's already announced in 2019, right? Yeah. Like there is so much to look forward to. I remember watching the E3 for 20, I think it was 16, and seeing Horizon Zero, and I was like, yeah, this looks pretty neat. Like, like uh, especially after the whole No Man's Sky disappointment. What mm. um, at the time, of course, um, like. So, like, gaming, ga- gaming is a, it, at least for a consumer end, is in a much better place than it was. Totally. Uh, a couple of years ago, and I hope, I seriously hope that Sony and Xbox have both learned from the launches mm-hmm. of both the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One, especially Xbox. Yep. Because they're both going to have to come out with something mm-hmm. to like say, hey, yep. guys, it's uh, it's the next generation. Yep. Uh, we have these games. Exciting games for you to play, not just a six hundred dollar console that is going to let you play Rise: Son of Rome, which is now a two dollar pre owned game at GameStop. <laughs> like, and, and you do, I'll be honest, it was on the strength of one game and one franchise, the being the Uncharted franchise and um, Horizon, that got me the PS4. I mean, I was also sick of the PS3. I could tell it was old. The controller sucked. Like, you know, I needed a new multimedia thing because at that point I was still watching Blu-rays and watching Netflix on it and stuff like that. So there was a lot of reasons to get it. It came with Battlefront 2, which, you know, I figured couldn't be horrible. It's pretty bad. Um, but it did come with it. And so, you know, having Battlefront 2, Horizon, a couple Uncharted games, Last of Us Remastered, all of a sudden the PlayStation opened up for me. That been a few months maybe six months after that initial podcast or four months but yeah at the time i was not taken by anything and so while i've never been a huge uh, nintendo person um it, it, it certainly seemed like a very promising future at the time and i think we can say it, it, let me put it this way ethan i know it's hard to know um because you didn't actually neither of us made uh, unit predictions at any point in the last couple of years in the early years um uh, uh, about the switch but if you had to think back and see where it is to years later would you say it has met expectations in terms of sales and overall stuff or surpassed it in your opinion and give one or two reasons why and we'll jump into bioware oh yeah i mean it's, it's definitely exceeded expectations as far as right uh, what everybody wanted i mean like for me personally it was uh i mean for me it's a much easier decision for me to make to purchase an Nintendo device right because i know that my favorite game franchise will be there, Pokemon. I know 
that I'll enjoy games like Zelda. I know that I'll enjoy games like Bar and, like, and, and others and Fire Emblem, like, everything else, right? And it just seemed like Nintendo was double tripling down on this sort of thing. And listen, like a console that I could use at both at home and on the go, like that that just seemed like the natural evolution of what gaming was meant to be. And so this was a product that I could feel like I could get behind for me personally. But at the time, like like seriously, like people had this concern that this thing was not going to be good, especially when the only games that were coming out at launch were Zelda, One Two Switch, and whatever whatever the fuck else there was. I think I Am Setsuda was the only other RPG that like, was good at launch. Um, Which, by the way, I've cooled on very quickly. It's super samey. But again, that would be the game on Switch I want to play in bed at night, honestly. Like, right. that's, that's the game I want. That, like, let's put it this way. If I could get three to five games like I Am Setsuna, um, you know, where it's turn-based combat, way less stressful, you know, less brain power, along with, you know, like, let's put it this way. I Am Setsuna plus the new, ver- whatever the new I Am Setsuna is, if it's as good as I Am Setsuna, which is pretty good, and uh, Fire Emblem, you know, I only really need two or three other games to justify a Switch at, at that point, although yeah. I, I just and don't know how, how long way, to wait for a new one. Oh, no, you'll have it. I mean, they're there. I mean, unless you don't like indie titles, but... No, 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 no. I'm saying I don't know how long to wait if there's going to be a new Switch. It sounds like not anytime oh, right, soon. Right, right, Um, Who knows? Um, maybe this year. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably early next year. My guess is they probably launch it in March, just like they did with uh, the first one. That, that, that would be my guess. Um, dominate the first quarter, or mm-hmm. the last quarter, rather. Um, anyway, um, but I mean, like... Gaming is just such in such a better spot versus what we had to experience in summary, like in in, in those in those 2014, 2015, 2016. Which years. is a great transition for where gaming is not. And Ethan, yeah. I've listened now listened to I think all of our previous podcasts, and you were very excited about the idea of uh, of the game. I'm not going to say Absolutely. you predicted that it was going to be great, and you shared some of my concerns. Again, I'm more right about Anthem and Fallout than any other prediction. Fallout was a no-brainer because, you know, I, I don't trust Bethesda. Um, that one was Anthem, just blind luck. I know I had the yeah. idea that, well, do, uh, that Bethesda but, was going to be dumb. Right, but the Anthem, I couldn't have uh, imagined how dysfunctional. I, I My prediction on Anthem was based on two things. EA meddling, which we now know was more indirect, if anything, as you pointed out, and was really a Bioware company thing. Although, you know, since EA, can I make one correction from our, our conversation? We started this a few days ago, which is sure. you said, I can confidently say this is Bioware's fuck up and not EA. And you were right. All I said was the buck stops at EA, and they have to monitor their studios. So they did a bad job monitoring. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I want to let you respond, but I just want to finish my thought, which was EA EA has destroyed or led to studios that have self-imploded and self-destructed numerous times. I don't know enough about the inner workings of the company, but I do know that while Microsoft at best has a mixed record with uh, studios, Activision and 
now EA and Activision clearly have problems integrating studios and keeping the same level of quality that some of these great studios had before, which is why, thank God, Bungie is independent. I feel so, like, morally good playing Destiny, man, because I'm like, I know that's a good corporate culture, and they're independent and free now. Um, so you can respond to any of that, because we didn't have nearly enough time, and this will be a good entrance point into the Bioware discussion, which is the role or lack of role of EA in all this. Yeah, I mean, so so quick, quick, fun point on the Bungie thing. Go. Bungie doesn't implement crunch. They don't. They do not implement crunch in their structure. Mm-hmm. They don't. Neither so, does Ubisoft, they, by the way, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, like, I think this yearly I, iteration thing, we're on to something with Ubisoft and Destiny. It's it's so clear that it, this is the way to go, and, and it doesn't result in crunch. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the, the whole Bungie Destiny creation content, that's a totally different discussion. But let, let, let's get into the EA thing, because I wanted to get into the EA Go. thing first. Go. Because it's A, the simplest thing. Have you finished the Shry article, by the way? Like, I did not specifically read it. The whole 11,000 words, I, I read a little bit of okay, it. Okay, but have you, li- have you read I, other I, people's I, I, articles, I, I, podcasts? I, I have a, I, in front of me, I have a TLDR mm-hmm. uh, on should- Reddit of the whole thing. You should you should listen and to the his podcast. This I have really good. I listened to many podcasts about it. Yeah, I listened to many, include including Skillops and Skillops. I trust the most. Like, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so here's the let's let's start with EA because it's the simplest thing to get out of the way here. Here's where EA's fault comes into play. EA's fault comes into play. It's just straight up their negligence to run their game studios, specifically with this situation. And this is actually something I'm interested in now. Mm -hmm. I personally wonder how many projects has EA just like straight up not had someone to look at, look at like manage, like manage it a good way, manage it and look into a studio and say, wait, what are you guys doing? Why have you spent six years on pre-production? Like, like seriously, like who was in charge of who was in charge of leadership mm-hmm. uh, from publishing at, at EA for management of the studio? Like seriously, mm-hmm. like I would have. Can thought, I ask a question like, about that? Because you brought that up. Thought, we both would have thought, right, uh-huh. that someone from EA would have been coming in yes. and meddling with the game design process. Yeah. But it clearly seems that it's the exact opposite, and that there is yeah. far less hands on yeah. than we expected. Go ahead. Because you you pointed out last time, you referred to as throwing darts for five years. I can for sure tell you, and Schreier would tell you, that the main employees, again, I can't speak for the executives at BioWare, the main employees were still working during all these years. The problem is they kept getting moved between Dragon Age, Mass Effect, and Anthem projects. Um, And even based on Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, again, dude, we need to stress, at the time, whether Schreier knew or not, or even a little bit, about crunch and, and the the toxic environment at Bioware, he gave the Dragon Age team a pretty good um, review um, at the time. Uh, he wrote Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Now, again, it wasn't it published that far after it winning Game of the Year, and we all still loved Bioware at that point, right? So yeah. can't really blame him for that. And now his next book is going to be a full on um, expose. So can, can you just talk about hey, a, a little I, bit I, about get, like, what you think the I'm people get the Dragon in Dragon Age? Don't worry, I'll get there. No, no, no I will. Let me just frame the question. Um, if you at any point want to talk about like what you think employees are, you know, are, are going through with all this, you can, you can add yeah, that. Yeah. Oh no, don't ahead. worry. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. This, this is, this is just, this is just 
EA getting it off, getting off the plate here, so we don't have to talk about EA yeah. anymore. And just a really quick point like, of reference, Electronic Arts bought Bioware in 2007, which was way before I thought was the case. And so, you know, this hasn't been necessarily going on since 2007. So this is a, right. another point in your favor about it not being EA's fault. So, so this is just this is just one thing, getting back to what I was trying to say earlier. This is just the one thing that I'm personally curious about now. How many other game projects has EA just not had their hands on? Is there some sort of agreement mm. between EA and Bioware and other studios like Respawn where they just take their hands off and they just say, "You guys have your autonomy. Just make us a lot of money, right?" Like, I'm curious now. What is the inner working here? Is is EA like that strict, or is it just EA's very bad at managing these things, and so they like they make terrible single player products, but make money making FIFA projects? Like I I, I just don't know now. I I I'm kind of dumbfounded by this. Um, so that that's the thing about EA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing with it and relating to it is we it has been it was initially thought that EA forced Bioware to use the Frostbite engine. Which is notoriously bad for see Battlefront making two. anything yep. making anything other than a, a first person shooter, right? The only reason Frostbite exists is so that a EA could have its own proprietary engine, so they wouldn't have to spend money licensing other engines. Fine, like that's fine, right? Like it, companies are allowed to have, do these things. Sure. Um, but the problem is, is that we all thought EA fo- was forcing Bioware to use the Frostbite engine to make the game. Whereas we now know that whether it was stressed upon them to use it or not, right. Bioware made the decision to use the Frostbite engine, knowing that it would not be efficient. Uh, the employees all state, uh, the, the interviewed employees all state, like they knew that Frostbite was not going to be good for making this game. It just wasn't. Um, and so, so I, I the, 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 again, like, I am dumbfounded in my like expect expectations of what I would have thought EA was going to make the Bioware do. Yeah. But again, this is just on Bioware. And wait, no I need no point of order. Not according to Schreier. Not according to Schreier. According to Schreier, in 2011, EA executive Patrick Soderland started an initiative that's still going today to get all of its studios on the same technology. So whether there was a discussion about this particular one and whose fault it is, I can't answer. But it was definitely coming so, down from the top for the last eight years from the execs at Electronic Arts. We just we need correct. to parse this because, you know, there's not an easy answer to any of this. So so but, but what more of what I was trying to say with that is, is that it's not confirmed whether or not uh, it, it – it, Based on the information I know and based on the information I've heard, it is more likely that Bioware, whether it was stressed upon them or not by EA to use Frostbite, mm-hmm. right? There, were, it, it is clear that EA did not force them to use the engine. And this is uh, – I don't cut whether, whether, whether Whether executives came together and in a room yep. and no one else was in the room where it happened, it just kind of came down to – you're forced. You may have a choice or not. We don't know that. Can I we just don't? Yeah. Right. Okay. So I I have two 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 points on this. One is the fact that it initially came down from Electronic Arts, but as you pointed out, we don't really know who did what when when it comes to Frostbite. 
is emblematic of the crazy structure of electronic arts where they always seem to be able to pass the buck on 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 everything. And so again, I'm not saying it was 5% their fault or 95% their fault that them being electronic arts, but the fact that we don't know and the fact that all studios that come under electronic arts at some point seem to go through problems is emblematic of a bad corporate structure electronic arts. Now, I'm not going to say that they're like purposefully horrible corrupt poisonous but it is it is a problem in the structure of the company unlike ubisoft which is running like a well-oiled machine right yeah. now that, that and that's what i was trying to say earlier along with like what you're saying like i am personally curious now where like where where is ea actually educated? like I, at first i thought oh they're they're dipping their they're, they're trying to be too many cooks in the kitchen right by mm-hmm. telling the try to tell the artist what to do mm-hmm I just don't know that anymore now after reading this. I don't know exactly. how many Star Wars projects, how many good single-player projects have been scrapped and debunked yep. and, and, and ruined now. Yep. I, I don't know who's at fault now anymore. And right? the fact that it's unsure from 11,000 words with Schreier's article, who's the most insider ever with stuff like this, if he doesn't know in 11,000 words, although he did admit he has to hold some stuff back because it would expose people. And, and yeah, stuff, yeah. Yeah, and so I totally believe him on this point. Um, it's, yeah, it is part of the problem. And so I wanted to, again, kind of agree with you more than last time in saying it's less me blaming this on EA and more me saying the fact that we have so little knowledge of how it works when more companies like this tend to be, even Apple tends to be a little bit more transparent than this. I mean, let's, dude, even Nintendo's more transparent like, than this. Like, EA, it's impossible to see through the fog. Let's not forget Trip, by the way, from uh, Console Wars, the founder of EA, and what a slimy scumbag he was, and Tom Kalinske having to shut him down after they illegally pirated the Sega Genesis and b- tried to blackmail them with their own system. So this has been going on from the beginning. But can I tell you one little story here about EA, man, and then we'll move on to the Bioware side of things? It, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's Do you mind? It. This is yeah, about yeah, yeah. Mass Effect 3. So I said uh, back when Anthem... Uh, after I had made the prediction that Anthem would be a bomb, but starting uh, when we started getting actual information that there might be problems, I told you I thought the breaking point was 2012 when Mass Effect 3, which was mostly really good, got trashed for its poor ending. I said at the time that um, in our podcast, this was maybe a year change ago, that I thought that was the turning point. Can I tell you a little something about, though, about why that was the turning point? You'll be interested in this. So just for the listeners, I know you know this, but after an amazing ending of Mass Effect 2 where your choices really did result in radically different endings, including who lived and who died and how much you killed the horrible aliens versus tried to like convert them to your side, really maybe the best final you know few hours of a game like that ever, there was a very, very, very weird and unsatisfying ending. To most people, I didn't care, but to most people at Mass Effect 3. And uh, you might remember, Ethan, that they released a new ending as a free DLC patch, which partly, you know, was nice that it was free, and it was definitely an improvement, but, you know, Mass Effect 3 still has very mixed ratings online because of this whole thing, right? But let me tell you, th- but let me tell you something. At that point, not only was Electronic Arts not being blamed for it, they were being praised in the press for how they were handling the situation with Bioware. Let me just read you this quote really quickly. So the extended cut of Mass Effect 3 was released as a free download 26th of June 2012. 
In the aftermath of the controversy, Forbes contributor Eric Kane, who, by the way, neither Ethan nor I really like him, I don't think, or Forbes in general on this subject. But Forbes contributor Eric Kane wrote, quote, this may end up being a healthy thing for the industry, opening a new chapter in gamer developer publisher relations. He then went on to call Bioware and EA's decision to act on the fans' complaints a, quote, remarkable choice that made gamers realize, quote, that they are entitled and that it isn't a bad thing to quality games. So they were actually being praised, EA, that is, for, for help moving that situation forward. Again, we don't really know the extent. So it's really a tale of the last 12 years, man, of 2007 to 2012, and then uh, 2012 until now with Dragon Age Inquisition and Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem. So there's just a little history. Um, and so it's very possible that the corporate culture was better at both Bioware at EA pre-2012, man. That's what it sounds like to me. Go ahead. It's almost as though the technology wasn't there mm-hmm. to scam everybody out of their money from Ooh. major sports titles or anything. They could have oh, charged wait. for the DLC ending. I can't believe I'm defending Electronic Arts. Shut up, Bizzle. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. People forget that a lot of DLC used to be free or super cheap and substantive. Like, if you got a 5 or $10 a dollar DLC uh, for Mass Effect games um, that you did pay for... It's not weapons or more campaign. You would get weapons, costumes, new heroes, new campaigns. I mean, it was ours. It was more like an expansion pack, Ethan, which I know you and I uh, want to go back to. Um, Do you mind if I loop in Destiny really quick and then we'll run back to Bioware on this topic, which is... I'm afraid we're going to get too far away, but No, no, it's just about the expansion pack versus DLC thing. So... There's a number of different types and levels of stuff from season passes to uh, the thing that's going on this week um, to, you know, the Forsaken huge release to those smaller campaigns you were talking about. Um, So from one to ten, where do you feel Destiny 2 is at in terms of all these various forms of added content as a consumer and lover and player of the game and please take into account improvements if there have been over the last four or five years into that number and also projecting into the future so where it is but also trending wise in terms of their dlc expansions and so forth and then we'll do a comparison with the bioware situation i will i will i will Keep it very short because yeah. this is such. The, 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 while this is related, it's yeah. I can go off on such a far tangent. Um, this is just for context for me. Okay, so yeah, they still have not fully figured out what the fuck okay. they're doing. Okay, <laughs> that's the answer to the question, uh, and hopefully, Bungie finds an answer or at least takes a very big step forward now that they are free of an Activision uh, content. Uh-huh. Uh, selling cycle, mm-hmm. where a market cycle, where the the, the 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 content of DLC would probably be dictated by Activision's need to run around quarters and stockholders and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that is different now. Hopefully, that changes. That is my that that that's the that's the best way to answer. Do do you think the full on expansions that they call expansions? Uh, that they do release are more fairly priced and more. Um, uh, gen- not generous, but you know what I mean? As opposed to like smaller DLCs, do you think there's a place, not just in Destiny, but for all these live services to have both micro, not microtransactions, but smaller DLCs versus larger expansion packs the way World of Warcraft does? 
I'd say the best way that the best model they can adapt it to is something like Elder Scrolls Online, mm. where with Elder Scrolls Online you get the major expansion, and then they and then there are smaller quest, uh, or, or rather they just sell you a major expansion every year or so, mm-hmm. where it's it's a whole new open playable space, and it's and it, you can level up your character like it's an MMO, but it's totally also detached, but also um, integrated. To the rest of the world. Yep. Um, Can I put something out real quick? Quick Google, Mm -hmm. quick Google poll. Elder Scrolls Online, out of 100%, you want to guess what percentage likes Elder Scrolls Online? 80. 93%. Do you want to guess what percent of Fallout 76 Google users like? 23%. It's actually 41, but who knows how these things are done. Yeah. Bethesda, by the way, 19 hours ago, reported by Kotaku, Bethesda plans to sell Fallout 76 repair kits for money. Yeah. No, I, Are you at least starting to get on my train that Bethesda is smoke and mirrors a little bit more than maybe you thought? I admitted that I was way I, wrong I, on, I, on, on No Man's Sky we, we can, and, I, I, and I, I, Sea of Thieves. We need we, we need to have a separate conversation about that. I I, I want to rant so hard, but I want to finish the Bioware thing. Okay. I want to point out, by the way, though, the reason I'm bringing this up is because people are trashing Fallout 76, and yet Elder Scrolls Online is mostly liked by people. People are trashing Anthem, but guess what? Apex Legends still seems to be doing well. So this is a really interesting thing about, in both cases, man, the premium product, the hyped product, Fallout, that being Fallout 76 and Anthem, bombed, and yet the behind the, you know, scenes one, I know Elder Scrolls Online wasn't like totally indie or whatever, but you know, it wasn't Fallout 76. It's been developing over time. Apex came out the gate like crazy. Dude, that's your best argument for EA not being as fucked up as as I say is Apex being so good out the gate I think Apex being so good out the gate was actually just pure fucking luck and that <laughs> respawn is such a good fucking studio <laughs> like seriously no like seriously that's the most honest thing I've heard all day from anybody that's hilarious like, like, like seriously like I didn't want to say like, it respawn, respawn is just a god tier studio making a beautiful fucking game out of a terrible fucking engine like seriously are they using frostbite 2 i guess they have to no they are using frankenstein source 2 mm-hmm. the same thing that half-life 2 runs on uh, i'm qu- not kidding question yeah. um is the unreal 4 engine so expensive to license or is that just a thing that ea slash or bioware it's just like where you want to expensive it's just an expensive thing to do. But how does the but how did the Life is Strange pre being bought by Squeenix afford to use it? For example, well, it depends on who's licensing it and the deal you reach with Epic for it. So they probably have a so, deal for indies, yeah. They have a they, they have a deal for indies, especially if they release on the Epic Game Store. And again, we're going so forth on a tangent now. No, we're um, not. Because no, the Unreal... I mean, let's put it this way. I'm sure some of the programmers at Anthem, whether they're saying it or not, would have loved to use the Unreal Engine. So this is connected. Absolutely. But yeah. it, I, 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 I want to... We, we, we've gone so foot... So well, steer wherever you want. Right now is steer EA. wherever you want. The only thing we've talked about now is EA. Like, seriously. Steer wherever you want. It's your, it's your, it's your, it's your segment here. Go ahead. I just, I, I just, I just want to get into the nitty gritty details so we can really talk about. Oh, I just thought Unreal Engine was nitty gritty, but you want to go to a different nitty gritty. So go ahead. 
No, I mean, well, it, it's nitty gritty is on the, and the idea that they chose that the first thing they did was choose to use the frostbite engine, and now we're past it. Like, like that's it. Like, here's the here's the here's the thing about here's the thing about the engine, right? I don't know how much money it would have cost to license. I can tell you, but go Unreal Four. I know how much. To, huh? Go ahead. If you know the number, go ahead. The Unreal Engine marketplace, Epic used to take thirty percent share of sales. Now they take twelve percent. So it's actually a third, two thirds cheaper than it used to be. But again, right. I, that, the major companies, as you pointed out, it might be a different situation. So, so, tw- but e- even even if it's thirty or twelve, like like twelve percent of sure. a major law lo- of a of a three hundred million dollar product that you've invested in, mm-hmm. that's still a lot of money, right? Like, oh yeah, that that's thirty six million dollars of of your profit is yep. just gone. Yeah, right. And if so, you're and if you're an indie, like life is strange. You take a chance on it because you just want to get your name out there, and then Squeenix pays for it, right? So I, I get it. Yeah. So if, if, using your, I can't fault EA for wanting someone to use prioritization. At the same time, like we were saying, Bioware inevitably made the decision. They made the call to use Frostbite. That's what they decided to do. Yep. Um, and so this led to a series of issues. The first of the issues, the main issue is that, like we were saying, a first-person Frostbite is good for a first-person shooter. It's not so good for a third-person looter shooter open-world environment RPG. It's just not. It's just not. That's not what it was designed to do. And most engineers can tell you that. And what some of the employees said is just it's not designed to do what they were trying to do at the end of the day. Totally. Um, But before they could even get to that, uh, like like you said earlier, of what we were talking about, they were throwing darts at a board. It, this game was in pre-production for six fucking yep. years. Yep. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild took five years mm-hmm. from pre-production to completion to shit. Yep. Five years. We That's talked about this game. a lot early on, man, especially once I started getting into the PlayStation exclusives and learning more, which is right. that if you look at Zelda uh, Uncharted... Um, uh, God of War and Horizon they're almost all exactly five years from beginning to end now some of them like Naughty Dog have more crunch than others although they had some reasons why they had to crunch uh, we're going to yeah. get more about Naughty Dog soon if and Last of Us doesn't come out or, or there's problems but it's not a coincidence that, that that's you know that they have a five year um, window uh, there I do want to say really quickly though on behalf of the mainstream you know employees the day to day people at um, Anthem it's not not like they were sitting around twiddling their thumbs they were being shuttled between various projects and that was part of the problem no no and I, i'm gonna get into that next yeah. um but because well, you said throwing darts at the I, wall I, and i don't want to put everyone in that category no no i uh when i say throw darts at the wall what i mean is they were working hard all the fucking time right but without without uh without the leadership and i just i, I want to quickly go over pre-production for those who don't know pre-production is just the point in the, the point in production of a video game where you have an outline of what you're going to do, and then when you realize it doesn't work, you need to entirely change the outline. They were doing this for five or so odd years with this game, and that leads into the next big thing where the reason this was is because no one among leadership at BioWare was taking the reins and choosing like, like what needed to, what needed to happen next, what they were going to do, mm-hmm. what was going to stick, what was not going to stick. Like none of these things were being made. Uh, example, like uh, I forget his name, 
the guy that the leader of uh, the leader of the direction for God of War over at Santa Monica, right? Every little thing that went in that game went through him. It went through him. And because of that, because of his idea, because of his vision, and because of the employees getting behind that vision, mm. they made a good game. Because none of that was present here at Bioware for the, specifically this project, mm -hmm. right? And while this is happening, by the way, you have Mass Effect Andromeda going on at the same time, which faced very similar issues to what's going on uh, here with Anthem. Were you surprised to hear, quick side note, that uh, they didn't consider Andromeda enough of a failure to change the corporate culture? To me, because Dragon Age Inquisition was liked by people in one game of the year. I can understand that. But, but Andromeda was, was panned, obviously, more than panned. I was a little surprised that they didn't consider that reason enough to make changes, but I guess that's part of the problem, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to mention both of those games soon. I'll get there. I, I, I promise a lot of the things that you want to talk about, I'm going to get to. I just want to get through like what happened. Um, and so, so because of this lack of leadership, you had no, there was no vision going on. And so all of these people were working through this very stressful time, not knowing what the fuck is going on. And they're just, it, it, imagine, um, imagine writing an essay paper out of order with just random ideas you came up with and you have no idea, like you're writing, you're trying to write three different essays at the same time and you're mm. putting different paragraphs in different essays and you don't know which one goes to which. That's basically what these people were doing day in, day out for this whole time up until where they've really started to make something um, or try to. Um, hmm. You had this, uh, th there was this conflict between uh, Bioware uh, divisions uh, for those who don't know, Bioware is one of the few game development studios with massive um, locations. Mm -hmm. Bioware, uh, until recently, had three locations. Mm -hmm. uh, they close. I believe they closed down mm -hmm. the one that was working on. Uh, was it in Canada? Mm -hmm. uh, was it Mo Bioware Montreal? Was mm -hmm. it? I, I, I forget. But yeah. the, the the division that was working on Andromeda got shut down after the failure of uh, the product. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you had you had these subdivisions uh, arguing with each other about what needed to happen for what with the development of this game, um, for uh, and most notably with Bioware Austin and Bioware, uh, 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 what's it called? It starts with an E. Uh, Edmonton. Ed Edmonton. Edmonton. Because um, Edmonton was the main team, which is working on... Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition and Anthem, and you had uh, Bioware Austin, which was uh, known for making the live service games of uh, KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic, or that, that is Knights of the Republic, um, KOTOR, um, what's the other one? Uh, the other Star Wars game that they made. Um, well, there's KOTOR Online. So they, that, yeah. There's KOTOR, and then there's um, the other one. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so Bioware also had experience working with a live service game or an MMO or whatever else you want to call it. Uh, and they were giving advice to Bioware and uh, uh, Edmonton and saying, listen, you guys need to do this to the game, do this, da-da-da-da-da. And Bioware Edmonton was just like, nah, you guys don't know. Did it, did it like, we're going to hmm. do it this way. Um, and so there was this infighting, which is never good mm -hmm. on any like any project. So you had these issues going on 
where they couldn't decide what was going on. They couldn't decide amongst themselves what was going on. And they had they were wasting all of this time just doing nothing, essentially. And all the while this is going on, you have all of these people stressed the fuck out. And you have this idea called Bioware Magic, which resides in the studio and is in you could call it other things, but isn't is prevalent in any other thing. Mm. And it's basically this idea that uh, with Inquisition, there was this thing called uh, with Bioware Magic. They got the game and released it in a very short period of time with massive crunch, and it all will turn out just fine, right, guys? The Bioware Magic is going to save us. We're going to pull together. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about just the psychology of what goes into that? Because, uh, yeah. you know, can I just give you a counterexample? Mm-hmm. So the coming together at the last minute mir- miracle uh, to compare TV and film, it almost never works in film because it's such a massive production unless you have an insane editor and get some luck. But in television, it happens all the time. If you ever listen to the behind the scenes of everything from Seinfeld to Breaking Bad, they would talk about that. They would be writing literally up until they started filming, and then they would even be changing stuff uh, you know, as it was going on. So in some artistic industries, it can work. But even before the story, if you had told me this, that this was the mentality, I would have been like, mm, that sounds a little suspicious to me, right? Yeah, it's 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 not and, and listen, this happens all the time in the gaming industry. But for this idea to be so prevalent that there is this saving grace that all of them share by solely sitting down at their desk, bringing a sleeping bag from home and sleeping under their desks to finish this project on a three week no like ca- caffeine rush so they can finish this game like like seriously like. This is what was going on. It's insane. In the last yeah. nine months. It's literally insane. Yeah. Of the last nine they this is what they thought. They they thought, oh my god, we we're we're, we're we've been doing nothing for the past five years. Yeah. And we're finally it's all gonna pull together in the last nine to twelve months of this development cycle. Yeah. And we're gonna the game we're, we're gonna ship the game and it's gonna win game of the year. Like seriously, this is what these people thought was gonna happen. And because of this, you have people Going on stress leave, some of them to leave for three months, some of them to never come back. You have these employees who are trying to find rooms, empty rooms, so they can go inside, close the door, cry, sit down in a curdle and cry. Crying rooms. Yep. The crying rooms. The fact that it has a name internally. Fucking thing about this article. Yep. That he like, like like seriously. Yep. Like. This is what was to be expected. And the only reason it is happening for Anthem is because it worked for Dragon Age Inquisition. It's because it worked for Mass Effect Andromeda. And they thought, let's do it again. And they did it again, and it fucking failed. Mm -hmm. And to be fair... To be fair, having watched the um, uh, no-clip documentaries about Uncharted and um, uh, Horizon, breaking down, even during non-crunch, but just the stress of it, breaking down and crying is is a normal human reaction in high-stress environments. But the fact that they had a room for it called the crying room, I mean, it's almost like a horror movie, you know? It is horrifying, let's put it that way. Right. Um, Like, like... EA, like, like the, the 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 thing about the like like seriously, and I, I, I'm not talking about EA here. Like with so at one point during development, mm-hmm. they gave a demo 
to Patrick Sutherland, the former head of EA. Yep. And when he played it, they when he played it without uh, without the fl- because at one point uh, we talked about this last time, but I'll talk about it again. Oh, I know you're going. The game with this. was going to be the yeah. game was going to be a survival game. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, like like we said last time, the survival game is just a game where you you have low on supplies, and the goal is to scavenge for supplies because you decide and eventually build up, and uh, that that that's the meta of the game. Um, at one point, it was going to be a survival game, and when and when Patrick Sullivan played a demo of it without flying, because one of the main components of Anthem, the one of the main selling points, is that you are in an Iron Man suit going around killing aliens and flying in these open world areas, which is super cool. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that was that was not in the game at one point. When Patrick Sullivan played the demo without it, he was like, "This isn't fun, guys. Like, th- like I, I don't want to like." Do something about it. And when they gave him a different demo, the one with flying in it, he was like, this is super cool. Patrick Sutherland did more for this game <laughs> than, than a, for the direction of this game than we, than we realized, right? An EA, the, an EA corporate head did more for the direction of this game than the people in charge of it. Like, seriously, come on. Like that Assuming is that was the right call, though, Eth, right? I'm sorry. You've been, and it was. I need to jump in. Um, it was. Uh, well, well, we don't know. We don't know what the survival game would look like, and flying around only works if the rest of the game's cool. I, I could argue that Destiny's you're basically you're you're to quote Jessica Jones, it, it's controlled uh, uh, controlled falling. You know, Jessica Jones doesn't fly, but she can jump really far and has control her fall. Uh, that that was an you know I, I, once I realized to stop thinking about Destiny as just jumping and more about gliding and you know falling slowly and so forth. Uh, to me, that's much more interesting. You know, again, I never played. Um, what was the Call of Duty where they first introduced the? Uh, Semi jetpack. Advanced warfare. Advanced warfare. Yeah, I hadn't played that or so forth. To, to quote all of the people that I watched, to quote all of the to 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 mention all of the gameplay that I've seen of Anthem. Yeah. The flying and the combat is the only decent thing about this game. Like seriously, like the flying in this game is really cool. Like it, it's fun. Like the meta of the game is fun. It's just the systems in place making it an awful game. Like overall. But the, the 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 idea that you are flying around in a combat suit and you're mm-hmm. you're tactically fighting enemies like that like that is the mm-hmm. cool aspect like there, there are have cool you watched gameplay doing the game have you watched it's not a reason to play yeah. it have you watched gameplay yeah I've watched a ton of gameplay okay I've, I've can we get specific here talk about it can we get specific here so um, tell the people a few things um, uh, th- that you've noticed in gameplay and just reading it and following it um, that are that are either minor flaws, moderate flaws, or fatal flaws in your opinion. You can go any way with this. Go ahead, bud. So, and, and so th- this, th- we, we can talk about, like, like th- this is how emphasis upon, like, how this very short development window and such a long pre-production window is so emphasis upon why this game is broken. So from what I understand, the game is in such a state where the RPG systems are crucially flawed, as in they have major bugs that destroy the hierarchy of loot. Loot is not properly dropping in a way that's conductive for this type of gameplay. So a looter-shooter gameplay is entirely dependent upon your ability to conduct a mission, do a quest, kill some enemies, kill a raid boss, do these things that are expected in a looter-shooter game. And for you to be able to achieve these things and have a chance at achieving high tier loot. 
the loot in the game, the RPG structures are just totally flawed and debunked. And not to mention the amount of glitches that make the game even more unplayable beyond that within the broken RPG systems. That's how destroyed it is. Um, for To mention what it's like, the best way to describe it is if you've seen Division 2 gameplay or you've seen other third-person tactical games. Imagine a third-person tactical game where you're playing as Iron Man mm-hmm. and you're going around shooting aliens with massive uh, tactical abilities. That, I mean, that's the update. best way to describe it. Do, 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 do. Seven minutes ago, Jason Schreier... Dragon Age, in, Dragon Age 4, now four years in quote-unquote development or pre-production, as you said, sounds as bad or worse than Anthem. Oh, my goodness. He just published it, past and present of Dragon Age 4. Schreier's really doing the takedown here. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, this uh, no, is no, important, no, no, no. and I, I know that you would want to know that. That's that, important, yeah. yeah. So keep no, going, important. pal. No, it's important. Um, and so, like, that's the – like like. Like the the game is just so like here's here's the like like here's an example of what I'm talking about. Here's the nail in the coffin. You can, and I'm, I'm being serious, word for word here. You can unequip every because the the main way you get the, the main way your gear is calculated is your guns have stats, your armor doesn't. Um, at least I believe that's the case. So your guns are like your main gear. If you're asking like, me, I have no so, idea. No, 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 no I, I'm not. Um. The, the, the main way your gear is calculated is your guns have different rarities. So high tier masterwork, uh, uh, grand, cause like grandmaster three, uh, weapons are like grandmaster flash. Oh no, that would be a way. Grandmaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the level one starting, you can unequip all of your items and equip the level one starting gun. And that makes you stronger than the theoretically possible highest level of gear that you can equip. That is how broken and defunct this RPG system is. I am fully serious. Like, that should not pass mm-hmm. in any game, mm-hmm. let alone a game that's, that, that's so heavily dependent on RPG system. That's how short of a time that they put all this stuff together. Mm. They had... No time to develop this stuff. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the, the RPG systems are just so broken. Mm-hmm. They're so broken down. There was a glitch a few weeks ago where it made loot drops higher rates for dropping. And the community said, yeah, this is great. This is what we want. And then Bioware, quote, unquote, fixed it back to the original rates. And everyone said, what the fuck? We don't want this. We wanted the guns at higher rate. Just leave it in the game. And Bioware is just – even now, Bioware is fucking up because they are refusing to listen to what the community wants out of the game. Mm-hmm. A live service game is dependent upon mm-hmm. what your players want. Mm-hmm. Your players are as much investors into the world and the game yep. as your actual investors are mm-hmm. for your stock prices. Can I, can I ask a question? Go ahead. Yeah. So – uh, towards the end of our discussion, before we realized we were over last time and that we were going to do this podcast, which is going great. Uh, great insight, man. We're going to do some more. Um, uh, but uh, really quick, you said it wasn't EA's fault, and I agreed with you, but I said it was their responsibility. And I just wanted to elaborate on that in, in regards to what you're talking about in this expanded discussion, which is it may not be their fuck up, 
but if they need they need to clean it up because it's still ultimately under electronic arts and will reflect poorly on them forget about the Absolutely. money can i just can I give you a star wars example because you know i know so much about star wars sure. is that it wasn't kathleen kennedy's fault that lord and miller's version of han solo turned out to be untenable but she did have to step in, fire them, replace them with Ron Howard, who did a great job. They had to basically reshoot the movie. And while they might have broken even now because people have been seeing it post, they didn't see it in the theater. It looked like they were going to lose tons of money. But she admitted that they were willing to take a hit monetarily to get the movie right. Because think about this, Ethan. If they had completely screwed up Han Solo's image, even though it's not Harrison Ford, you know how Star Wars fans are, or even fans of the original trilogy, that, you know, remember we talked about Nintendo and console wars replacing everyone's units in the early 80s? They spent hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And that actually resulted in more sales for them, ultimately, right? And so, as we said in our console wars review, we said Nintendo took a hit of hundreds of millions in the 80s so that now they've got what three trillion dollars in the bank and after making tons of money in the first three star wars movie kathleen kenny was like you know what this may not be my fuck up directly because i specifically gave these guys artistic freedom but i'm gonna step in take responsibility for it so i just want to stress that while you you may be righter than me on this subject in terms of ea not being so much at fault it is still ultimately their responsibility and how they handle this and deal with this is going to really reflect on the company because BioWare is clearly out of control. So EA needs to shut down and retool this whole situation or or, or dissolve the company, right? I, I can't see any other way, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, so like, and, and here's the thing. Schreier, Schreier's a fantastic journalist, and so he let BioWare and EA know Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to stress. Bit, sorry, but sorry. Little, I need I need to interrupt little. here because we haven't said this in a while. And if you're just listening to this podcast and not the last one, we and everyone on the internet is basing everything on the eleven thousand word Schreier report. So everything we're right, reporting let, is based on either Schreier or people who have been talking about and elaborating on Schreier. And we, I trust him implicitly because he rarely gets something this big wrong. And now with his Dragon Age Four article, which I'll have to read later on, it's not looking good for Bioware. But it's important for you guys to know that there is only one major source but unfortunately Schreier is often the only major source on stuff like that go ahead pal yeah and and, and we we also need to we also need to just put it out there again this is all yep. fucking allegedly this is happening because this is not a confirmed thing in the nature of the industry's ndas but obviously mm-hmm. like schreier schreier is the, mm-hmm. the biggest name in gaming news or can i ask uh, you a quick question about, about this sure about schreier um uh, do you think that because he got to know so many of the people um, on record when doing his Dragon Age Inquisition reporting for Blood, Sweat, and Pixels that this is m- more credible, or would you take this as credible anyways because of Schreier's past record? I take this as credible for two reasons. One, Jason Schreier is the number one gaming news uh, serious journal uh, journalism guy. Because he has consistently put out information, um, even though even though it is anonymous sources, and therefore you could take it with a grain of salt because it's anonymous, non-confirmed sources, right? It, it is consistently information that has been very believable and has evidence, uh, not not direct uh, smoking gun evidence, but evidence to show that it is probable. 
And so because of this hmm. and because of his ability to consistently do it, mm-hmm. I believe him. If he was not able to consistently do it, if we're talking about he puts out an article once every five years that mm-hmm. maybe possibly has some credence to it mm-hmm. and it's a hot relevant topic, mm-hmm. then it then like we're talking about a totally different thing. But we're talking about a guy who puts out a major news breaking article in, mm-hmm. for the gaming industry mm-hmm. twice a year. Can I can I just add a little historical perspective? Mm-hmm. Not only yes, literally everything you said. Let's keep in mind, Ethan. Before Schreier came to Gotaku and then became an editor, it was just a clickbait site. And now it's being constantly quoted as a serious news source. All begin they're getting better writers and so forth, all because of Jason Schreier. So that to me is as much of uh, a credit to his reputation and credibility as anything else, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he, I actually listened to, I'm sorry, really quick. I actually listened to, I forgot it was four full years ago. He was on the co-optional podcast. Obviously TB was still alive and well at the time. And he had to be very defensive about Kotaku and was telling them they were going in a better direction. They already liked and respected Schreier, but he wasn't running things at that point, so to speak. And he he was, he, he, he tried not to be defensive, but he had to kind of defend them a bunch of times in ways he wouldn't have to today after all the stories he's broken. So that's in a four-year period, right? And it's probably only been a year or two since they've gone from clickbaity to to kind of respectable. So just for the audience who's not so familiar with Kotaku or Schreier, that's as much of an accomplishment as any of the individual stories he's reported. Jason Schreier. He's not the journalist we deserve, but he's a journalist we need. <laughs> like he's Captain America. He's the Jewish video game Captain America. It's great. I, I was going to say Batman because that's that quote. but Yeah, but unlike he doesn't operate it, in the shadows. Thing, he thing. operates in the open. Same thing. Yeah. No, he's operating. No, he's operating mm-hmm. in the shadows because he's getting anonymous sources. And, and just again to make a quick point about journalism, for you, for for a, a journalist to report things like this, and to say I literally can't reveal these people, so you're going to have to trust that these are real sources, um, and then f- for everyone to accept it, that's an unbelievable, uh, uh, you know, uh, confidence vote uh, for that person's credibility. Right. Right. And, oh. and, and that, that, that's only because of how NDA nature this industry is. Seriously, you, every employee that you have that's working on a game is signing an NDA to never disclose the information until the NDA is up or mm-hmm. for their entire lives sometimes. Mm-hmm. Never to disclose the information of, the, of, the, of what is being happening uh, in the studios. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Seriously. These people are never supposed to tell what's going on in fear of getting their asses sued to all high heaven. Totally. Seriously. Totally. Like, like, like and it, 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 it's, it's just insane what he does. Like, like it, it's, it's unbelievable. So... Um, Wait, where was I going at? Where, where was I going? Can I, can, I, can I ask you a question? Because uh, you know, I, I said I put in about 20, 25 hours of Dragon Age Inquisition. 
Um, and, you know, I, I played the year later version of Andromeda, um, which was very smooth, didn't have facial problems, was by far the best third-person combat they've done. I mean, a huge step up. Actually, you have a little bit of a boost in that game, uh, like Destiny. It's not nearly as radical as Destiny, but you do have a little bit of a boost, which was new to the game. The shooting mechanics were better. The writing ultimately was was pretty decent. Um, the problem was the characters weren't uh, nearly as memorable, and uh, it just got kind of samey after a while. But it wasn't a painful 55, 55 hours I put into it. I really liked that game. And so I could see where they would think they were heading in the right direction with that game. But you have to admit, Dragon Age Inquisition, as even you have said, you know, in most years wouldn't win game of the year, especially the last few years, you know, how things would have been different if it had not been game of the year, but had been, you know, trashed or, or, or didn't sell well or whatever. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, who knows? It, it, it's just, it, it just looks <sighs> sad when you hear employees just, just say the it. thing. Sorry, just, real quick, real quick. It's really sad when you hear the employees that worked on these things say they wanted it to fail. And not one game, but two games is really sad. Really, really right. sad. Exactly. Just just think about this for a second. If someone had come in and taken the reins of this game, we would be talking about this game in a totally different way. Whether it was bad or good, we would be talking about this game in a totally different way. Yep. And people's lives would not be in the state that they're in. Mm-hmm. People's uh, the, the game development may not be looked mm-hmm. at in the same way as it is. But this is, this is a serious thing. Uh-huh. And Crunch needs to mm-hmm. end at least crunch that's implemented mm-hmm. can i just like, 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 I, I, yeah. it, workaholics are a serious thing right? like, mm-hmm. pe- some people need to it, creative types need to mm-hmm. learn to manage things mm-hmm. better but that that's on a personal basis yeah this is on a structurally implemented basis yep that needs to end yep can i i just uh, build on some history um so i told you 2012 with mass effect 3 was the was the turning point towards bad badsville um i forgot to mention the biggest thing man which is the two remaining co-founders of bioware at the time ray muzika and greg zeshuk both left for not totally known reasons and if you guys out there know anything about corporate uh, corporations, especially a corporation that has sub corporations that has some bit of autonomy, the leadership or lack of leadership of those sub corporate uh, um, entities it, it is a make or break thing. I can't imagine Eth, that it's a coincidence that the co-founders seem to maybe be have a good working relationship with EA and know what they were doing, and they left, and then everything started going downhill and downhill in, in, in downhill, and that's why. Um, for the moment, um, Naughty Dog, you know, had survived that redoing of Uncharted for the firing of Amy Hennig, who, by the way, was part of the uh, Anthem disaster. Uh, I remember that correctly. Uh, no, that was. I think she was the Star Wars. Oh, oh the Star Wars exactly. project that was canceled. Right. I'm pretty sure she was the Star Wars. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you know, again, Sony is very, very, very confident in the people who run their sub-studios. Nintendo is very confident, as far as we can tell, in the lead designers and so forth of what's going on. They're so confident that they're you know, having someone else do a Zelda game. I mean, that's an unbelievable amount of confidence, right? And, and, and not, not only that, let's take it a step further with Metroid, Metroid 4 Prime, right? This game that everybody is waiting for to come out and switch to the next big Metroid game. 
we've been waiting so long for that game that Nintendo put out a video saying, guys, we're so sorry that this is the situation, but we've had to restart development on the game and a new director has been put in place because we were having trouble developing the game. Hmm. They, they were not afraid to admit that they had trouble making the game and that they had to restart development. That's how serious, like publicly, that's how, that's how clear and concrete they were and not afraid to do, like that's how different Nintendo does things. Like, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's just a totally different scenario entirely. Um, just, just to so Schreier as a sort of very quick side comment, and again, like with his reporting of Dragon Age Inquisition, he talked extensively about Uncharted Four. Now, at the time, a man that Schreier wrote Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, Uncharted Four was a massive success already for a year or two. And so he was able to, you know, talk more openly about the problems they had, the firing of Amy Henning, the restructuring of the Uncharted project, the fact that that has pushed back Last of Us because um, Druckmann had to go there and so forth. So, but he threw in that he's been hearing rumblings about Naughty Dog and they just, again, made a very defensive comment along the lines of, we'll tell you what's going on when we're good and ready, which is not a bad sign in and of itself. But I think you should follow the Star Wars Marvel model of like, uh, you know, we are keeping secrets from you because we want you to be entertained and be surprised. Like, this does not seem like a good PR, you know, situation. And I, I, you know, I'm not going to guess about Last of Us and I don't want to get too far afield. But it will be interesting to see that if the crunch that we know goes on in Naughty Dog, at least, um, ends up really affecting long term the company. Because Neil Druckmann is an absolute workaholic and and it doesn't seem like it with this mild-mannered attitude because if Naughty Dog ends up suffering from this, even if Last of Us is decent, man, then we have to stop, not even just point at AAAs, you know what I mean? And, and, and this would be another argument uh, for Schreier's call for unionization because Naughty Dog's employees would be just as eligible for that as uh, EA and BioWare employees. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, at, at least with Naughty Dog, and I, I listen, if Schreier says there's something going on, something's going on. But at least with at least with Naughty Dog, uh, and as since we both listened to the Blood, Sweat, and Pixels book, we or read or whatever, I listened to it. I did uh, too. We both know we both know the situation with that studio, which is you go to Naughty Dog. Not only do you know there's crunch going on, you're expected to crunch. You're expected to enter this brotherhood of people who not only want to make good video games, mm-hmm. but are so masochistically interested in making a good video game yeah. that everyone is expected to crunch because everyone else is crunching. Like that, like that's how like, like, and, and I, I, I listen, listen in every industry, there is some, uh, prodigy group of people that is always going to do work harder, work better, work smarter than somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid that naughty, whether that's naughty dog or not, mm-hmm. it's just it's just a shame that crunch is has to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Implemented crunch, mm-hmm. me like like, and so hopefully, and I, I I fully expect this prediction to come true. Mm-hmm. In the next ten years, mm-hmm. we are going to see gamer gamer union uh, gamer development unionize. Yeah. Period. We just will, because this cannot continue. 
This cannot continue. And uh, we're, we're, we're sorry. We're, we're, I, I'm, 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 I've said my piece about the Schreier article now. Uh, there's some details we didn't talk about. Uh, so go I read the article I on really Kotaku. Do, I, yep. I really do recommend everyone out there listening. Go mm-hmm. read this article. Mm-hmm. It's a really good article. Yep. I've only read part of it, but it's a really good article. And it's 11,000 words, but it's a yes. good read. If you have to go secondhand, well, first of all, if you want to hear Schreier talk about it for a solid 20, 25 minutes um, on his own podcast, he does a great job of summarizing it. And, you know, he's not one of those reporters that's like, I'm not going to say too much because you want to read the article. He has a good enough place at Kotaku now that he's happy to it reveal as much as he can. And they try to keep their podcast pretty short. Um, and Or the, my, I'm always shelling the What's Good Game Girls. They do a great discussion about it as well. I'm sure there are some others out there. But Ethan, um, well, let's do a few more thoughts on this and we'll wrap. But now with the Dragon Age article, uh, which looks like another damning expose, we might need to was follow up on Was it a tweet or was this. it an article? Uh, sorry? Was it a tweet or was it an article? No, it's a full-on – that's why the only reason I brought it up and interrupted you was because he literally had released it eight minutes ago as a full-on oh, okay. article. I, I emailed okay. it to you. It's called The Past and Present of Dragon Age 4. How big yeah. is it? How big is it? Is it big? I don't it? know. It's it's definitely smaller than 11,000 words. Okay. All right. Um, I just, I uh, just want to point out um, really quick um, that – so, you know, Sony Interactive uh, or whatever the official name is, right? So, so the, third, the way the, uh, the quote-unquote third-party studios that are really in-house studios um, at SIE, um, Naughty Dog, Gorilla, and Santa Monica, among some smaller ones, are all underneath the Sony Interactive Entertainment Worldwide Studios. So, again, Sony is keeping them pretty close, both in name and reality. And if there turns out to be a big uh, excess of crunch at Naughty Dog, whereas Gorilla and Santa Monica, while they did have crunch, doesn't seem to be a, as much of a thing. Um, I could be wrong on that, but let's just say that's the scenario. It'll be interesting to see how Sony deals with it. Because, again, I truly believe the buck stops at the top with the person who's getting paid the most money and the most power. So, if dude, if this happens to Sony, you know, I may be a Sony shell at times, but I'm going to be just as hard on them as, as Electronic Arts would be my final kind of large scale thought about this. Yeah, I mean, can I ask you one, one, one uh, big picture uh, uh, speculative question, and then we'll do final thoughts. Sure. What's the way forward for the industry? Out of for for the industry? Yeah. Well, unions is the first thing, mm-hmm. and once unions have once once unions have formed, so you're on board with uh, the unions, they, okay? Well, once unions have formed, there needs to be an overall moral agreement between corporations and unions that is agreed upon by both. Sides, right? I personally don't think that mm-hmm. a, a developer shouldn't be allowed to crunch if they choose to, but that choice needs to actually be their choice, right? Things like that. Um, like like, mm-hmm. like Naughty Dog, for example, right? Mm-hmm. People go to Naughty Dog to – developers go to Naughty Dog knowing to that die. there's going to be crunch of that type. And so – if, if a developer is just that serious about making video games, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be forced to not crunch, mm-hmm. right? Or at least overwork themselves. Mm-hmm. That, like, that's their choice at the end of the day. People want to overwork themselves. That's their choice at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but not – just, just there, there, needs to, there needs to be a doctrine that these corporations – publishers mostly mm-hmm. – because uh, the upper corporations could care less. 
mm-hmm. um, that, that the publishers and the developing studios need to agree upon. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they need to agree upon a doctrine that makes sense for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to look good for publishers. Mm-hmm. And so what I expect to see happen is unfortunately mm-hmm. um, a lot, a lot, a lot of game developers mm-hmm. losing their jobs to make up for mm-hmm. uh, payment times, mm-hmm. pay, pay times. Can I, can I give a cat example? That's my initial okay. like prediction about what's going to happen. There, there's going to be other repercussions mm-hmm. that I have either A, not thought about, mm-hmm. or B, like we don't even know yet. Because again, like here's the other thing about this industry that's beautiful mm-hmm. and destructive at the same time. It's so young as an entertainment industry. It's so, so young. Right. So there are things that we have yet to think about and advancement in technology we have to think about. Like, so many things. So many so, things. Laws that haven't been passed yet about loot boxes. Uh, so mm-hmm. many other things. So mm-hmm. many other things. Um, the, big, the, 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 the big thing, at least from a publishing standpoint, right, and that I don't – that I'm actually in agreement with and to a certain extent, the price of a video game has not increased over yeah. the last – Two decades. It's true. It has it's not true. for most games, which means Nintendo they're losing. Bit, but it's it's uh, just really quickly. I've said this before, but just as a comparison, if you go back about twenty five years t- to the Clinton administration, um, I'm sorry, twenty years, twenty to twenty five years, th- the inflation has basically doubled since then. Meaning the value of the dollar has split in half. Meaning we're paying $30 in nineties money for these video games, which is a, which is a problem. And which is why loot boxes are happening and everything because they're, they're not sure how to monetize it in a way that looks good to public relations. And someone's going to have to figure out how to do it. And apparently with, hold on, hold on. Um, apparently selling 10 million copies of horizon uncharted and God of war is a sustainable model without a lot of DLC for these studios and for Nintendo selling games for even less than that. So there is a model here where you don't have to increase the price of the game, but if you put out enough good games, Spider-Man 2 is over 10 million. If you put out enough good games from your studio, Nintendo and Sony stock is going up, 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 man. And it's steady growth. It's not like it's going through the roof, but you know, um, it, 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 it like, I, I agree with you that it's a problem, you know, that it's basically half the money that it was 20 years ago, but these stupid Nintendo and some of the Sony studios are making it work. Really quick, can I, can I just throw something in really quickly? I'm always referring to the woman who runs um, uh, Santa Monica Studios who did God of War Game of the Year. Her name is Shannon Studstill. She's 48. She's a single mom. She's from the West Coast. They, you know, they're based in San Francisco, obviously, Santa Monica. Her uh, reported yearly income, dude, is hundred dollars to $150,000, which for an executive of even a mid-sized company is very much on the low end. Now, it, you know, it's possible that this isn't reporting. I'm on a, I, I know how to find this stuff online. Even her net worth is like no more than a million, which these days, again, for a CEO, uh, even, of a, even of a studio below Sony is not a ton of money. It will be interesting to see if pay disparities at Bioware and or EA come out as part of the problem here. Again, pure speculation. That's way less money per year than I'd expect a head of a studio to make. But you know what, Ethan? The best way for you to lead a creative team like Gorilla, Naughty Dog, or Santa Monica is to not be making 50 times what your employees are making because they instantly then cannot relate to you uh, and so forth. 
Yeah, Sh- Shannon yeah, Studs, yeah, though. Yeah. Well, well done. God of War. Again, amazing. The one woman who's the head of the studio made the God of War game. She's been doing it since 2005 for them, man. These big masculine games. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, the, if, if I was if, – if me as a consumer – Right. Was charged twenty five more dollars to make a US a US AAA game release of eighty five dollars at the promise that I would never experience a microtransaction in my game, I would take that in a heartbeat. What would in be the criteria in terms of hours, amount of content? Like again, I've you know I've talked about how eighteen hours of Uncharted felt like a lot for a game like that, but 150, 100 to one hundred fifty of of Horizon and Witcher flew by. Now because of all the set pieces and the fireworks of Uncharted, you know the same amount of production money goes into it. And with an open world, you know you can get away with stretching out the the hours. That's part of the experience, right? Destiny is the same way. So is there any kind of hold on is there any kind of criteria um let's assume that there's an agreement to up to 75 bucks no you know all dlcs and updates included no microtransactions do you think there has to be a a sort of unofficial code of what's included with that because a six hour game i'm not sure 75 dollars is the way but at the same time a six hour game you shouldn't be selling for 60 i think what's going to happen is there's going to be a range and they're going to pull down the price of games that are cheaper to make if they're smart and then they can justify these you know not selling 250 dollar gold editions but never Everyone pays a little bit more and gets a lot more. Um, but again, a couple. Uh, a couple wait, really quick, doctors. really quick. Uh, yeah, other thought, yeah. really quick. The things that you were right about about Sea of Thieves getting better and No Man's Sky. The more No Man's Sky sees Sea of Thieves, Destiny Two, Forsaken's that we get, the more the public uh, Ubisoft increasing, you know, getting better each year. The more the public would be willing to go along with that because they can have a certain trust in these mid-level indie studios um, or, or even the AAA companies like Ubisoft, right? That there can be a level of trust that okay i'm paying more money but they're going to actually have more content and i can trust that they're going to have more content that it will be free and then it will be quality go ahead pal couple of doctrines that i would agree upon to clarify that yeah 85 dollars yep for a base game a base story game right it, we, we can have a different conversation about multiplayer that's a different conversation um a, a standard story game i want 35 Roughly, roughly averaged 35 guaranteed main story hours. So a story. Uh, so let's say let's take the uh, God of War for example. I want a flushed out, very enjoyable, professional grade story that will last uh, in a game that will last me at least 35 hours. How many and hours is that? If, if, huh? I'm sorry. God of War is like 10 or 11, I think. That's it. But the thing. The thing with God of War is that it's an open world experience that. Uh, that the sto- the sto- the sto- there's so much optional stuff to do within that story that I'm okay with it, right? Hmm. What I'm what I'm looking for in it, what I'm looking for in some of those other things is twenty and, and to so thirty. The other thing with God, the, the other thing with God of War is has optional difficulty modes. That I got I got to correct you. I got to correct you. Average campaign length, if you're going quickly with mostly main story, 22.5 hours. With side quests and exploration, up to 32 hours. Completionist game length, 60 hours. That is a great, great model. Yes. There you go. So so a God of War model for $85 with the promise of no microtransactions in it to compensate for inflation and the guarantee that there's no in it, in addition upon two, two additional doctrines. One, doctrine one, any DLC... For the game, 
whether you are charging it or not, must have proof that it has not been developed yet until after the game's launch. Hmm. That is very important for two reasons. Yes. One, it's because uh, companies have an option that way to, if a game does not succeed, they don't have to develop DLC for it. Hmm. Right? It saves everybody money that way. And B, that way I know that you did not take content that was supposed to be developed for the game out of the main game and then sell it to me later as DLC. Did you know, that I'm is, sorry, did you know that God of War sold three million in three days? I did not realize that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, it was, it, was also, it was also one of the only games that was available at the time because you remember it was Monster Hunter and then it was immediately God of War following. That. Right. It was the opposite so, of that time in 2017 as we've talked yeah, about. Exactly. A thousand. Yeah, Yeah. Hmm. Um, so it's so, just it, so glaring it, the I, difference I, I, between these companies. Nintendo and Sony is so on another level. I, I just I just want these like as a consumer. Yeah, I would rather know that you will never screw me over, right? And give me more as for, as I want from a product, mm-hmm. and then to make up for inflation, I'm happy but, to pay that extra money if you're going to make a better product. But you see, because just, here's the thing. Yeah, here's Sorry. the thing. If 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 I don't have a, there's so much uncertainty in today's world. If you're an informed uh, game buyer, right, like you and me, we will research, we will look into what the studio wants to do. What the great example, Shadow of Mordor, right? After um, uh, Shadow, Shadow of War, Shadow of War, Sh- the second Shadow one. Shadow of War, yep. is a huge example. Everybody was like, "Yeah, Shadow of Mordor, great game. I'm super excited for Shadow of of War," right? Mm-hmm. You and I both would have were excited about Shadow of War and if it was going to be a good game or not. But mm-hmm. here's the thing: what they, what ended up happening is there was a shitty system where they introduced so many microtransactions into the game, mm-hmm. along with a season pass to add more content to the game. And everyone was like, "What the fuck? Like, I don't want these shitty loot boxes in my game. It's a single player story game. I don't want this shit." Like, those things to me degrade the value of a sixty dollar. Um, $60 AAA title. It, mm-hmm. They just do. Mm-hmm. If you were going to throw in stuff at me and say, hey guys, you can pay me more money to get this extra stuff that probably doesn't do anything for you, but it makes you look cooler, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, 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 even if cosmetic microtransactions are okay, as far as I'm concerned, it's not okay to just shove that shit in at me in a single player game and expect it, like, like mm-hmm. just keep teasing, just keep teasing me with it. Like, that's just degrading. I would rather pay the extra $25 to make up for inflation and Mm -hmm. know that you will never do that to me. I would rather have a guarantee that I will not have to pay $60 and then find out there's microtransactions that are are intrusive like that. Go ahead. Can I tie in what I said right before to what you just said? Mm -hmm. Which has to do with the reputation of the company. So you probably know that uh, uh, Bungie is working on another project uh, and they received at least $100 million from a Chinese investor to get the project going. Yeah, that is. That yeah. is. Yeah. Right. So here's the thing. So remember I told you they made these amazing fantasy real-time strategy games back in the day before they were, they were bought up back in the 90s, and that's how I know Bungie, and that's why I'm thrilled they're, they're independent again. So, Ethan, based on Destiny 2 and based on their history and based on them being independent now, if they announced that this was a strategy game, a real-time strategy game, or some other simulation different than Destiny 2, 
I would have, and they said, we're going to charge you $100, but here's how much content is in it, and we're going to guarantee for two or three years X number of expansions, this regular stuff, and literally everything's included in the $100. They do pre, you know, pre-release reviews to prove to people that it's a good product. I would have more faith in them than if EA announced it. So my question is, what level of reputation or, or faith does a company need to build before a player would even believe such a thing because games like Andromeda were supposed to be supported much past when it was and it wasn't. Yeah, I, it, 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 here's the other thing. Uh, Do you at least understand what I'm saying this, real quick? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I understand okay. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. For, this, for this level of trust to be built, I mean, it, it just comes down to the fact that, like, like, like I said earlier, this industry is so young, and so these companies will do anything and everything to make more money and try to find a mm-hmm. way that is effective to get more money out of us. Mm-hmm. We've seen that all last year yep. with EA and Activision, yep. literally, and how after their stocks plummeted, they fired off over a, mm-hmm. a combined of 1,150 employees. hmm and how Telltale had was mismanaged and fired off uh, another five hundred, and because of their mismanagement, like like we we saw that we saw how much these companies are interested in making money above yeah. anything else rather than making mm-hmm. a good product first and making a good making a lot of money off of that good product. Can right? I, we've seen can, we've seen that so much through call things like Call right. of Duty, and so and so for this trust to be made, they need like these companies need to start enacting decisions like ubisoft like ubisoft is doing right now they're killing it although people are already starting to get bored of division so where different we'll we'll get to that um that's ubisoft where 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 they will build upon good decisions right player consumer friendly decisions I need you to answer my question. I'm sorry. I'm pulling one bizzle here. I get to pull one. I I know, but I want you to directly answer my question about, do you think it's more about the industry as a whole gaining consumers uh, confidence so that they can charge more, but it will be with more content and supported? Or do you think it's going to be company by company where people say, I trust the Sony studios. I trust the Nintendo studios. I trust some of the Microsoft studios. I trust Ubisoft, but I'm not going to trust EA, 2K, and all the Bethesda, the studios that we shit on to, to to various degrees. I don't know the answer to that, but 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 what do you think? Is there going to be a point where consumers like okay with 10, 20, 30 more dollars, but they're going to get more content you th- or I mean, how do you climb that hill or you know, or, or again, or does it have to be the more trusted and reliable companies? Because again, dude, to give context, Schreier reported at the end of 2018 that if God of War had not sold so many copies and gotten so much critical acclaim, that studio would have been done. So they needed to sell at least 10 to 50 million copies copies just to stay afloat for exactly the $60 reason, right? Even though they were making over $100 million a month in digital revenues, okay, all of last year after release, they were making over $100 million a month digital revenues. That's after the initial 3 to $5 million, and yet at the end of 2018, in the wake of winning the Video Game of the Year award, it was admitted that they were really on the brink. So that's a scary situation for people like us who love those or people like me who love those games. Yeah. Here's okay, I I understand what you're asking. The the way forward is to be completely blunt and honest and not to avoid the issue. Because all of these companies are going to avoid the issue to make whatever amount of money they want to make. 
someone needs to make the step forward mm-hmm. and say, we're going to charge you this much money, but there will be much, there will be more content in it and it will be like, it'll, there'll be more content in it. There'll be more content in it. And we make these promises to you that, that we will not resort to these shady tactics. I, 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 the way, the way forward for trust is to do it and do the things that consumers want out of your product. Whether it's a live service, a multiplayer game, or a single player game, right? Straightforward. I, the hardest thing to do is going to do it for single player games, without a doubt. For multiplayer and live service games, that'll be a lot easier because all you got to do is you know not do the shit you're currently doing. Yeah, here's the thing, man. So again, I'm going to take Horizon. Okay, brand new IP, female protagonist. Never heard of it before. There's a, but they built a good amount of hype in the years leading up to it. Got great reviews. Sold a ton of copies considering what it was. They had been planning on a DLC assuming it was successful. And as soon as it was very successful, selling a couple million copies in the first couple weeks, they started working on Frozen Wild, which is honestly, I mean, it's not as good as like the StarCraft expansions back in the day, but it's the best DLC expansion I've played on the you know PS3 or PS4. By far, it expanded so many of the mechanics. It was harder. It was beautiful. The character animations were better. They let Ashley Birch be funny and not just serious. The writing was great. And so even the people who didn't buy the special edition of that game, man, and by the way, Horizon sold a ton of special editions because people were so into Aloy and the robot dinosaurs by the time it came out that people were amped to pay $100 for special edition. But if you, even if you just bought Horizon at launch, $60, and even if you bought Frozen Wild at launch, $30, I did neither. I bought the complete edition a year later and got the whole thing for $25. But even if you did, that's $90. But I'm not sure people would have shelled out $90 for that entire package ahead of time, especially if it was just a promised expansion of 10 to 15 or 20 hours and, and Frozen Wilds. And this was a game that had great hype and great reviews. I, you know, I, I don't know how what they if, make that transition. What if Frozen Wilds, or half of it, mm-hmm. in a different set of context, was released with the main game and then uh, Frozen Wilds plus missing content for that? Or what, 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 sorry. What if base game plus half of Frozen Wilds was thrown together as the base package for $60? Or not sixty dollars, but eighty five dollars, and then the following content was uh, made up for with a little bit more content, mm-hmm. and then for the same price. Can I give you my answer? God, you are speaking my language, my friend. I think they need to go back to the shareware model to a certain degree. Remember when it, CFD? It, it might on. be effective. Okay, it might be effective. Yeah. Remember when CFDs first came out and it looked cool. And people were really enjoying it. And some people enjoyed it for like 10 hours. Um, Again, you were ahead of me in thinking Sea of Thieves would get better. But even at the time, it looked fun. It wasn't super buggy. It looked great. You know what I mean? And we we had a discussion at the time about um, the Microsoft Game Pass. What's it called? Yeah, the, ga- the 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 game pass. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, what if which follows a similar dogma? Yeah. Right, right. So what if we take the game pass in a much, much, much streamlined and cheaper version, or, or at least a more value added version of PlayStation Plus, where you pay ten, fifteen, even twenty dollars a month, you get all of their cloud services, all the normal things you get with PlayStation Plus, and the ability to play five or ten hours of their hot new title. I think you sell a ton, and what do you have right. to lose? You're and you're getting money up front. I mean, life is strange is releasing one episode every three to four months and they are making a killing with people paying five dollars at a time for these episodes
episodes. So, I, yeah. Great. It's a great consumer. So in answer consumer to your question, totally we'll yes, I'm on board with what you're suggesting. I could see a ton of models for that. But in general, what you are suggesting, I've been thinking about and I'm 100% behind. It, t- here's the problem with this, with Sony doing it. They won't. They make it, so much it, more money it, with the way they're currently doing it. Well, maybe not, though, because God of War, even after selling $3 million in three days, was still they weren't sure what was going to happen to the studio. So may- maybe if they didn't have that initial great amount of sales because there were, was more competition, you release the first five to ten hours uh, or, you know, of God of, let's say five, six hours of God of War, which, by the way, is, you know, very gripping. I mean, I've played that first five hours. I'm going to start from the beginning, but I played that first five hours. It's extremely gripping. You sell that for 10 bucks, people would totally pay that, and then you get to save your progress, and you just pay the difference nintendo does that they did it with radiant historia on the 3ds i got to play up to level 20 and then i paid him for it on sale yeah nintendo's the outlier right i'm not asking you to say i like this studio they'll do it i don't but in general i think we're on the same page that they need to get creative about about paid you know uh, experiences uh, along an entire spectrum um, and I want you to have final thought on this and then we're probably going to have to wrap up so, so go ahead yeah. pal I, it, I, I, was more of, I was more of looking at it as just because Xbox does it mm-hmm. doesn't mean Sony will do it I mean, and until Xbox Sony proves does, it's more until they Xbox have, proves it's more effective to do it that way they have Sony free demos. will do it Sony That's has all. free demos they have free demos for The Last of Us Remastered in-house stuff they have free demos for Doom sometimes it's an hour sometimes it's I'm five pretty, hours I'm pretty sure Xbox does too yeah pretty sure Xbox does as well right so they'll just dismiss Sony like they're not gonna try no no I wasn't saying demos I was, say, I was saying the $10 Game Pass system for Sony I was Right, but what I'm suggesting is rather than offering people two games a month, yes, Modern Warfare Remastered, and yes, Bloodborne, cool, you know, to get that as part of PS Plus, but I think people would be more interested in playing smaller portions of more games, assuming you lower the price a little bit and offer, you know, better online services and so forth. I certainly would. I'd pay $10 a month to get one game for free, but then get to sample a bunch of different games. Hell yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, I just... I Or Xbox or whatever. At some point... At, at some point, which, which, this is actually interesting because at some point, companies stopped making demos and they didn't have the data collection services that they do today. So I would be interested in seeing if they created demos of these wider games. Because here's the thing I, I'll, I'll end it with this. I'll end it with this. Do they think that if someone played, because the whole point of a demo is to get someone to buy your game? It worked it, when I was a kid with Doom and Quake. It, it worked like right, amazingly. Right, but it, it, it worked with me too. Like I, I, I played many demos of games on my yep. 3DS that I wanted to buy later. Yep. Here's the thing, though. Good job, Nintendo. Uh, it, good job, Nintendo. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that they will sell that many more in today's world, where Twitch exists, where YouTube exists, where gaming media exists as it is today. The demo to me is watching someone else play the game and see saying. Huh, I kind of want to play that. That looks fun. Right? And getting so, like having someone talk to you through a stream and say, yeah, this, like, like, listen, I can tell you about this game. I think it's a pretty good looter shooter. I think it's a good single player. If you don't like multiplayer games, you're probably not going to like this game. Like, like having, having that communication, de- demos are kind of, while, while they are effective, I don't think they serve a purpose in, for Sony or Microsoft as they did in, back in the day. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll, I'll end it with that from my perspective. Okay. So just for to de-stress, because I uh, you know don't like to end on an intense note. By the way, man, awesome job. Great analysis. Guys, that's why Ethan's my senior video game contributor. Well, he's my only video game contributor, but he's still the best. Um, really quickly. You lost him, but Austin's yeah, dead. So really quick. quickly, again, because most of this was off mic. Destiny, I'm addicted. I love it. I love the shooting. I love the bad guys. I love the guns. I love the armor. I love being able to look pretty. Yes, that's right. A heterosexual guy likes my female warlock to look pretty, but badass, while holding amazing guns and swords. It's a great game, man. It's honestly better than I even I even thought. And I know I'm going to hit a wall eventually, but at 30 hours in, I'm still really pumped. So really quickly, because I want to know the answer to this, and this will give an idea to people who have no idea about how these services games work. Um, what is this event this week? Uh, it, what kind of thing is it? I, I'm not even sure, so, sure what it so is. So it's, it's the first major patch that you're going to experience. And unfortunately, patch. these okay. patches don't happen often enough. Mm-hmm. But it's a major it, – it's, it's a major um, – I wouldn't say major, but it's what's the it's official term of, for it? it? It's an it's a patch. It's a patch. It's a, it, it's an update on the roadmap. It's called Arc Week, yeah, and Arc Week. they they uh one of the things that Bungie does really well is every week they put out uh, an article on their website called This Week at Bungie, and they talk about what are the devs doing, what uh what's going on, what's the situation like, what's some feedback from the developers about certain topics in the community, like. We feel like this item doesn't drop enough. We feel like this or that. What's getting updated? What's getting blah, 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 blah. And so they communicate very well to the, audience, to, to, to the players what's going on when you can expect certain things to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the major quality of life update mm-hmm. six months after the Forsaken update to address many drop rate issues, to address many balance issues. So all of this uh, language making it seem like it's an expansion is just to cover up the fact that it's a patch essentially. It's just a major patch, but it will it will change how some of, a lot of medicate feelings mm-hmm. about the game. Mm-hmm. Um mainly mainly the uh so remember the pal- you have you have the arc uh subclass that basically turns you into Emperor Palpatine mm-hmm. as a warlock and you're electrifying everyone with your tickle fingers. And it is pretty sweet. Right? Yeah. Um so that is actually getting a major buff Jedi. in both damage but also your ability to do things and mm-hmm. the major thing the special thing about that subclass is mm-hmm. is that uh you could throw a, a electric grenade and it will if when it kills an enemy it'll chain more lightning to all the other enemies nearby and basically that's been rather lackluster mm-hmm. in uh in the past many 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 pre- uh previous months and they're buffing the hell out of it mm-hmm. so that it changed to many more enemies and mm-hmm. does way more damage and can chain back and forth between the enemies mm-hmm. so it's going to be super cool cool uh or hopefully it's super cool yeah. and they did they did a bunch of that to the other classes and stuff like that so uh, that, you, that, um, that's, just, that, that's just the major thing will you do you save your streams or do you not save them i do they're, they're all they're cool. all they I would love because I'm you know I'm going to Star Wars Celebration in like 36 hours so I, I want to get through some of my campaign stuff here so I'm probably not going to get to do this stuff this week um, but I would love to watch some of your stream inevitably at the hotel at late night when I got nothing to yeah. do um, two, two questions about this real quick and then we got to wrap up okay um, season of the drifter aka season six of destiny correct yeah okay annual pass annual pass good bad necessary evil at roughly 35 dollars necessary evil and i can't fully comment about whether it's been good or bad or not it's been 
just okay. Okay. Um, and have you heard anything? Uh, uh, have there been any great season passes yet? Yeah, they've all been okay. they've all been bad or have had major flaws in their own mm-hmm. way. So there's no reason to think season of opulence will be any better. Depends. That I, I can't can't call it without okay. getting into further details. Okay. Um, final question. Uh, any any word or even rumor about Destiny three, or are they going to keep pumping this one out for a while? Yeah, we've had we've had a bunch of leaks, um, with allegedly things that are happening from a credible leaker, and so I'm giving you I, I'm giving the disclaimer to the audience right now that this is pure speculation, but I want to hear what you've heard, and then we got to wrap up. The, the the very quick TLDR is that we are going to get another annual pass for year three of Destiny two, and that we will get. Uh, Destiny three mm-hmm. to be launching alongside uh, uh, the next generation consoles with mm-hmm. PC launch as well. That 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 that's the that's the elite, that's the major league that I should that, that, that's the major comment I'll put out about that. And, and guys, I have to tell you, it, it, I mean, if you are at all interested in this game, beautiful. This is what honestly did. This is what I wanted like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Thor Ragnarok to look like. Very colorful, but it also like a dark uh, kind of background to it, if that makes sense. And a little bit of scariness, etc. I mean, it's not scary, but you know, monsters that jump out occasionally and things like that. Uh, screeching monsters. Um, yeah, I, but the, 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 qual- the quality for a console game is tremendous. Like, it's incredible. It's incredible, incredible. And guys... It's funny, Ethan. So again, uh, and then we'll end with this. You know, I'm listening back to the podcast. It was roughly, you said Forsaken was September? It was September, yeah. So at some point we had a podcast in September, uh, not, you know, you dove into it and you were like, this is the turning of the corner of Destiny 2, right? You said that on the podcast. And I said at the time, I was like, man, I really wish I could just get the whole thing for fucking $20. Well, you know what, guys? Amazon.com, 1999, get what I have, Destiny 2, Forsaken, the Legendary Collection, fuck the 59.99 on Sody, $20 on Amazon, I'm, like I said, I'm 30 hours in, I'm not even done the first campaign, I'm loving all the side stuff, and while I will hit a wall, as I told Ethan beforehand, if I get 100 plus hours out of this thing for 20 bucks, I will be absolutely thrilled, so, um, so yeah, so any final quick thoughts, and then we'll sign out? Uh, quick funny Destiny story. Yeah, go. A kid tried to hand in Destiny lore from the Ishtar Collective site, uh, where lore is kept for Destiny Online, as his English paper. Hmm. <laughs> Obviously, he was found out, and this is true. Um, the teacher tweeted at oh, Ishtar boy. Collective, "Hey, is your name Peter?" And Ishtar Collective actually changed their Twitter handle to Peter. Hmm. So cool, funny, dub story. Awesome, awesome, dude. Um, well, I finally found an article here that breaks down the Arc Week Warlock changes. So I'll have to take a look at all this. These are permanent changes. Yeah, permanent until they in, in the event they find something broken. But th- this, right. these are intended changes. Oh, yes. so when they say like charging a detonation costs 20% less until they patch it again or not. That's that's what's going on. So they patch it again to change it, to nerf it, to buff it, whatever. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's that's for a different super. You haven't unlocked that yet. Cool. Yeah. No, that's Voidwalker. I have Voidwalker. I got all the three it's, main ones. It's, it's, the Nova, it's specifically oh. the Nova Warp Tree, which you haven't unlocked yet. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ethan. Again, fantastic job on the analysis. You know, I, I tried to butt in as little as possible, and mostly it was just to, to ask questions that I personally had because you have a much longer view. I mean, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, you're more engaged in this. You were engaged in this well before I got back in it a couple of years ago, and so I'm still learning about all this stuff. But I, I hope the unionization thing happens but it's going to be a while, even if that's true. It's going to be a while. And yeah, in the meantime, I just have to hope that companies take a look, long look in the mirror and just try and treat their employees better. But that might be asking a lot. So we'll just have to cross our fingers and hope we get more journalists like Schreier. Or maybe Schreier will just have a new expose twice a week, every week, in the, <laughs> and just shame the industry into being better. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Cool. It's, it's, just, it, it, it's just crazy because it's like Ubisoft is succeeding – where Activision and EA fail, and it's just, it just seems like that. Well, I think it's big, my theory. I think they're too big to succeed. Yeah, I don't think succeed. so. Not even fail; they're just too big to succeed. I think the last ten years, Ubisoft has just perfected the year-to-year slow but steady iteration, and I think the year-to-year iteration is the way to go. That's the way to get constant money, to get better and better with your games, build fans of the Far Cry and Assassin's Creed, and now. Uh, the division franchises and so forth. Yearly iteration is where it's headed. It helps with crunch, but, but still making progress and evolution. And maybe they can work that in with the new sales models that we talked about. So fingers crossed. And, 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 and that's the other thing. Live service is one of the answers to yep. to, to, to five-year-long developments. You do okay. one five-year-long development, and yep. then you have shorter developments following it. Cool. Period. Okay. Well, I will do some research when I get back next week to see if there are some like smart business people out there who are proposing new models. Um, there probably are. It's just They're not always public or, or, or easy to find, but that would be a cool podcast. So guys, check out Destiny 2. And you've been streaming anything else? Uh, nope. Not really. I've been playing No Man's Sky uh, the past few days. Cool. Still love that game. L underscore Fedorable. L underscore Fedorable. That game has another big expansion coming, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Another big one. Okay. Well, for save that for next time. We also have to talk about Borderlands. There's a lot of revisitation of Borderlands 2 in the wake of all these looter shooters and the Borderlands 3 announcements. And people are showing and their true outrage. colors about how people are showing their true colors about how much they actually do love the Borderlands franchise, even if they bitch about it occasionally. And it was the original looter shooter of the modern type, I believe. Yes. Yep. All right. So again, L underscore Fedorable at Twitch. Um, and definitely watch him and not me because I've gone from like a one to like a two and a half or three. Um, but I am streaming if you want to check me out at, at the Bizzle on, uh, on Twitch. Um, in the meantime, I will be reporting from Star Wars Celebration, doing like short little interviews and video clips and video interviews and stuff, hopefully, with at least amazing voice actors like Ashley Eckstein, Tia Sirkar, um, and, and so forth, um, and footage of, of the big events and so forth. So I am pumped for that. So thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. Um, really quickly, again, uh, Awkward Controllers available as part of the main Bizzlecast feed, um, but you also can go to a SoundCloud page and go to the Awkward Controllers controllers playlist with a gorgeous picture of destiny on the front you can't miss it if you just want to check out the awkward controllers podcast so thank you all may the force be with you but for now the bizzlecast is out